want to welcome you back this morning. We hope that our new sermon series has been a blessing to you, encouraging you in your life right where you are. I want to continue to uh, encourage you to allow us the privilege to be able to help you at Family of Grace. If there's anything going on in your life, it would be a great joy and honor to participate in what God's doing in your life. If you have your Bible this morning, if you'll take it and turn with us to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, we'll find our place there. I believe the Lord has a word of encouragement for you today. This morning, if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn to two places, I want you to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20, and then to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. 20, passes a scripture there. Exodus 20 and verse 4 says, <clears throat> Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above, or on the earth below, or in the waters under the earth. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the father's sin. So as we look at this passage of Scripture, it says the third and the fourth generations. But look at what it says. But showing faithful love to thousands of generations of those who love me and who keep my commandments. As we look at this this morning, we're continuing our sermon dealing with the war of the gods, what God is doing in our own heart and in our own life, and how there's a battle that rages on a continual basis. And that battle is so overwhelming many times, and how we battle on a continual basis for this. And as we begin to think about that this morning, it's good to know that there's not a war that's going on in heaven over who is God. Because we know that our God is the omnipotent God. That he rules and he reigns and he's alive and he's well. And he's moving and speaking in our hearts today. But we also know that while there's not a battle going on in the portal of glory and in the heavens over who is God. We know that every day there's a battle that takes place here in our hearts and our lives. And what's going on. Look at what it says in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, it sews this together so clearly and inadequately he says in chapter 5 in verse 1 Christ has liberated us into freedom therefore stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery Christ has liberated us past tense he's speaking to the believers at the church of Galatia and he's saying you have been set free the only problem with setting people free is you can only set people free who have a desire to be free we learned that in the, in, in the wars that we fought in Afghanistan and Iraq. We went to war with one mindset for retaliation in many cases of what happened to us on September the 11th. But then we went to war also to liberate people from a wicked dictator. In those places. And we began to, we had different ideologies for the reasons that we went to the war. We know in our American public today, uh, it just in our people group, there's, there's, cra- there's all kind of reasons about that war. There's great debates about that war. There's people who voted against the war, for the war, before they voted against the war. There's people that believe it was the great American people, that it was a, it was, it was a whole shenanigan and it was the war of the Bush administration and they sought after it on their own ability. But here's the bottom line. 
America wanted to impose the same freedom and the same ideology that we have as citizens on another people. And you can only liberate people to the amount of freedom that they're willing to attain. And today there's, there's this great push to liberate the, the, the ladies and the women in the Muslim countries. And the only problem with that is many of them don't want to be liberated. That's their ideology. That's their religion. That's what they believe. You can only give freedom to someone who wants freedom. However you define what that freedom may look like, they will only attain to the amount of freedom that they are willing to say that's the amount of freedom that they want. For you and I, Jesus Christ died to set us free. And the Bible says that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And Paul was writing the church of Galatia, and many of them had been set free from a what we call, or I call, a, a slaughterhouse religion, which was the religion of the Old Testament where there was a continual killing and slaying of, of animals and the sacrifice of animals and the blood offering of animals and all these this, this sloppy, bloody, messy religion making atonement for the sins of the people. And we know that according to the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ became the high priest and the lamb. We know that Jesus Christ came in the book of Hebrews. He fulfilled everything that was written in the book of Leviticus. And when we think about this, he had set them free and liberated them. But there's something else that began to happen. After they had been set free, they began to go back and pick up the yoke of slavery and the yoke of bondage. Matter of fact, he says this, you've been set free, so do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. But then look at what it says in verse 7. You were running very well, but who prevented you? You were running well, but who prevented you from obeying the truth? You were doing so good, but what made you go back? Then he says in verse 16, I say then walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit. And these two are opposed to each other. So that you do not do what you want to do. Underline that in your Bible. I want you to get it because we're going to look at it every week and every week and every week through this sermon series. Because so many times we know that we have been liberated. We know that Christ saved our life. We know that he has sealed our spirit. But yet we go back and we go back and we go back and we go back again and again and again. Today when we go through that bondage, when we go through those struggles and we go back and we pick it up again and we go back and we begin to live that life of bondage again, I want you to know that Jesus Christ did not die for you, that you may live in bondage, but he died for you, that you may be set free. One of the problems that we face in today in our American culture, in the business world, there's a term that's called situational ethics. And it's that you impose your ethics when the situation is right. That you have a great conviction when the situation is right. We have something else in America today. It's called situational integrity. Integrity is what you do when everyone is watching. Integrity is what you do when when you know people are watching to see what the decision is that you make. Character is what you do when no one's looking. Character is when you do what's right when nobody else knows that you're doing what's right. Character is when you go the second mile in your faith when no one is there to pat you on the back and no one is there to give you the attaboy. Character is from the heart. 
Integrity many times comes from the heart, but it has a motivation from outward forces. And we have what we call many times situational integrity. There's another word that I want to talk about this morning. It's called situational Christianity. That we're hot-hearted believers when it's right, when it's convenient, when it's optimal, when it helps us, when it blesses us. But when it doesn't, we, we serve all kind of other demigods. I love what the message says in this passage of Scripture. He goes on in verse 19, he begins to say, Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity. We looked at that last week. Idolatry, sorcery, haters, strife, jealous outbursts of anger. I love what the message says here. It says that we have had our trinket gods in our magic show religion and paranoid loneliness. Today there's many people that they worship the triune God when it is when it is optimal when it's convenient was speaking with someone this weekend and they made this statement uh they they looked at me we were having dinner and they said well do you drink i said no i don't drink and they said oh well you must be a a very staunch southern baptist if you don't drink i said no not really they said well you know i i used i used i used to not drink either but 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 it's okay now listen i, I don't i don't drink because Religion says, I can't drink. I don't engage in that because I'm trying to appease someone in the flesh. It's, it's called lordship. It's called, I don't want to be a stumbling block for somebody else. I, you know, I'm there trying to rescue somebody whose life has spent many years in the bondage of alcoholism and, and, and all of a sudden they're, they're, I just drink socially and they're like, well, well, if pastor drinks socially, then I can drink socially. And before you know it, they pick back up again the yoke of slavery. Situational integrity. It's, it's situational ethics. Situational Christianity. <laughs> this, some people will who are very staunch and adamant against not drinking, have no problem about having uh, uh, sexual flings. It's amazing how we categorize what's right and what's wrong. I'm not talking about some trinket God. I'm not talking about some magic show religion where you're having to read the stars or, or read cards or, or, or go to somebody to read your palm and tell you what your next move needs to be. I'm talking about... I'm not talking about looking to the stars. I'm talking about looking to the sun. And I'm not talking about the S-U-N. It's the S-O-N. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Lamb of God. Laid down His life for you. Well, there's all kind of gods. There's all kind of forms of religion. I shared this a couple of weeks ago. That's why I'm not impressed when somebody, when an evangelist goes to to India and he reports back that he had 20,000 professions of faith. There are, over, there are hundreds of thousands of gods in India. And what happens many times is they just they preach this wonderful message of Christianity, this wonderful message of the love of Christ, and they say, boy, I'll take that. And, and they take the message of the cross, the message of hope, and they take that message and they just put it on the shelf next to all their other demigods. Today, Jesus Christ is not interested in being a god in your line of gods. He's interested in being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And today, so many times, we start out running so well. 
but then we just get hung up. Matter of fact, Paul lists off this list of struggles in the book of Galatians, but then in verse 22, he, he moves forward and he says, but guys, guess what? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Circle that word faithfulness, because that's what I want us to look at today. I begin to think about that. Everybody has a desire for people to be faithful to them. There's very few people that enter into a marriage saying, man, I hope my wife's unfaithful. There's very few people that enter into a marriage saying, boy, I hope my husband sleeps around on me all the time. There's very few people that take a job and say, I hope I have an unfaithful employer who takes advantage of me and and cheats me out of time and manipulates my retirement. You know anybody signs up for jobs like that? Everybody's looking for somebody to be faithful. They even want faithful lawn boys. They even want faithful people to take care of their yard. Faithful people, if they have someone to take care of their home, they don't want somebody to show up when they feel like it. If you hire somebody to take care of your grass, you want them to show up every time they're supposed to show up. Can I get a witness? If you you hire somebody to take care of your home, you want them to show up when? Every time they're supposed to. And when they don't show up, do you just wake up in the morning and say, well, praise the Lord, I paid that guy and he didn't show up today. Praise the Lord, I'm so happy that person didn't show up and didn't fulfill his commitment. No, everybody's looking for someone and something to be faithful to them. They want a something, a company to be faithful to them. They want a spouse to be faithful to them. They want their neighbors to be faithful to them. I mean, do you want a neighbor that's always out to get you or you want one that's out to look for you, uh, has your best interest at heart? I love what the Bible says in Timothy that even when we're faithless, Christ is still faithful. I love where it says, forever, O Lord, your word is settled. I love what it says in the the book of Psalms where it says that, that, that God was faithful and Christ was faithful. But will we be faithful? Will we be a situational Christian? Will we have situational integrity? Will we have situational ethics? Or will we be faithful? Listen, America is in the shape it's in not because of our politics but because of our preachers, our preachers. We've had preachers who have been ashamed to preach the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We've had preachers who've been, who've been afraid to embrace the word of God, lordship. Listen, Jesus didn't invite you into a club when he went to the cross of Calvary. He invited you into lordship and he said, whoever desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. I begin to think about that. Paul's writing to the church of Galatia. He said, guys, you started out so well. But what prevented you from finishing well? What what brought on the bondage again? Today I have a different sermon notes for you. It's not points that I want to make, but it's questions that I want you to write down. And I wrote these down because I was looking at this, and it, it says, who prevented you? Right now, write that down somewhere. Who prevented me? I mean, I hear people, so many times I see people that that used to love God so much. And today, today they no longer serve Him. For many people, they could probably write down a name. It might be a preacher that made them mad. 
It might be a church that failed them. It might be a, a, a little blue-haired lady that one day met them at the door and told them that they weren't dressed right and their face looked like they fell in a tackle box because they had so many piercings. It may have been somebody that met them at the door and said, our God's not all tatted up, so you not or not be tatted up either. And if you got tats, you're not welcome in this. I don't know. But at some point, they started out with a hot heart for God, but no, they no longer serve, serve him. And in a lot of cases, I understand. I mean, I've preached at some churches. when I used to preach a lot of revivals. A lot of times I wanted to walk up to the pastor at the end and say, dude, if I was you, I'd resign. I mean, there's a lot of churches that are just cold, they're callous, they're indifferent, and they've lost the passion and the zeal. Who has prevented you from keeping a hot heart from God? What has prevented you? And then, and then how did it prevent you? Was it a, was it, you might be able to write down the saying that that lady told you one day. You might be able to write down a phrase one day that says, I quit serving the Lord, or maybe you just still go to church, but, I mean, you're not going to labor, you're not going to serve, you're not going to do anything because, bless God, you were hurt a long time ago and you made a commitment to God. You said, God, I'll go to church, I'll worship, I'll listen to the preacher, I'll enjoy the singing, but I'll never, don't ever ask me to do anything for you again, God. Because you know, God, the last time I did that, I got hurt. Well, can I just give a little news alert here? It's your hurt. When the weight of hell was being placed upon his shoulders on the cross of Calvary. When the nails were going through his hand and the weight of all man's sin was placed upon his shoulder. It didn't feel like a Sunday school picnic. It didn't feel like a trip to the circus. It didn't feel like a day at Disney World. It felt like all of our sin was on his shoulder. What is idolatry? It's serving something other than God. He told the children of Israel, he said, I love you so much, but you better know that I'm a jealous God. I'm jealous. What is sorcery? Idolatry is it excess or blind or blind adoration. You know, many times we worship things blindly and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. We're engaged in so many other things except the cause of Christ. We have situational Christianity. What is sorcery? It's the art of the process of spells and magic. It's the process of spells and magic and getting engaged in all that other stuff. And the rise of, of, of sorcery and the rise of all of those things in America has, has been going through the roof. Because, not because Jesus has failed. But because in our Western culture, the bride has failed. The church has failed. And we have such anemic bodies that the lost person looks at that and says, why in the world would I ever want to go back to that? 90% of college students who were raised in a Christian home, when they graduate, never go back to church. When they go off to college, they graduate high school. Why? Because they were drug babies. They were drugged to church. And it felt like they were drugged to church. And that's all it ever was, was I was drugged to church, drugged to church. There was no manifestation. There was no power. There was no presence of God in the place where they worshipped. There was no things that they could point back to and say, there's where the miracle happened. There's where the miracle happened. There's where the miracle happened. 
And then when they when they were in their home, they looked at their parents, and their parents lived just like the world. But then they they had to go to this thing called church, and there was nothing real about church. And and why would they want to have to do those things? Why would they want to have to straddle the fence? And they don't want any part of it. Today, the greatest hope for America is not lost. It lies within you. It lies within you. It lies within your hands. Pastor Ralph just came back from Amsterdam and he was sharing with me this week and his trip to Europe and how broken hearted that he was when he walked into many of the churches that have stood there for thousands of years that are nothing more than a museum today that was the place that sent forth the missionaries that brought the gospel of Christ to us today. We're only one generation away from being completely an atheist family in our lineage. Today I have a couple more questions for you. What am I faithful to? What am I faithful to? A good way of figuring that out is what takes most of your time. I'm not going to tick off a list and try to offend you. You know what it is. What occupies most of your time? And I'm not talking about, well, man, I'm faithful to work at the church all the time. Listen, there's people that work at the church every week that's going to bust hell wide open. I mean, they're going to have a front row seat in the church house to spend an eternity separated from God. Why? Because they're 18 inches away from heaven. That's how far they're going to miss it from. You say 18 inches. Why in the world would you be so crazy to try to figure that? Well, 18 inches is the distance from your head and your heart. They served him out of their head. They served him out of their intellect. They served him out of their own mental capacity because they knew it was right. But they never signed over their heart to Jesus Christ. I mean, have you ever wondered how in the world can people just completely walk away and never think twice about Christ again? You say, that's why I don't believe in the security of the believer. Because people, people never follow Christ. They, they serve God and they walk away. How could you ever serve God and walk away? Listen, today, to lose something, you first have to attain it. There's a lot of people that can point to a card or they filled out their application for church membership. They can point to a baptismal certificate where they went under the water one day, but they can't point to a time in their life where they were born again. I remember the day when I was six years old, that I was baptized. And I could point to that certificate. But I, listen, that certificate didn't bring me hope. It didn't bring me peace. It didn't bring me strength when I was a teenager. And I remember one day on a Halloween night, we went to a big bonfire. And I'm telling you, that's where all the good-looking chicks were. And so I went to church with impure motives. I mean, I, I, mean, I went there looking for a treat. And it wasn't candy. It was where all the girls were. I didn't go to church with a pure motive. But somehow that night around the bonfire, I had a head-on collision with a holy God. And I no longer cared about what the girls looked like because that day, that night, I remember, I remember realizing that I didn't have hope, that I didn't have peace, that I didn't have assurance, that I didn't have a peace that passed understanding. 
That night, I realized that I was broken. I realized that I was a good church boy, but I realized that if I died at that moment, I would spend eternity separated from God. I realized that I was committed to a life of idolatry. At that time in my life, what was I worshiping? It was pretty girls. That was what had all my attention. That was what had all of my focus. And that's what I was engaged in. I thought, boy, you know, man, as a teenager, I was saying, what church am I going to join? Well, the ones that has the the prettiest girls. Most people, when they're lost, don't look for a church with the right motives. Most people, when they go to church the first time, don't go to church for the right reason. I mean, there's very few lost prostitutes that wake up one day and say, I just want to go be around Christian people. There's very few drug addicts. There's very few broken people. There's very few people who don't have hope in their life who wake up one day and say, man, I just want to go to church today. I want to go for the right reason. It's like, an ex, it's like a convict who's escaped and running away saying, I think I just want to get up this morning and go have coffee down with the sheriff. You go opposite direction. But somehow in the moving around and the running around and the running away from, we run into a holy God. What are you faithful to? What do you long to be faithful to? They're two separate things. Because the passage of scripture here says, it says here when we read that in in the verse of Galatians in chapter 16, it says, but I do not do what I want to do. Write down in your Bible or on a piece of paper, what am I faithful to? But then write down, what do I really want to be faithful to? What do I really want to be faithful to? And then answer this question, where is the hook? Where is the hook? What keeps me from being faithful? What keeps me from being faithful? And then here's the question, last of all. How do I remove the hook? How do I remove it? Maybe you're sitting there at home this morning saying, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Today, look up. Today, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus Christ, I just, right now, I just admit, God, that I am a sinner. Today, God, I admit that I have fallen short of the grace and the mercy of God. Today, God, I admit that I have failed you. Believe that Jesus can heal you. And then he'll begin to change your life when you confess him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This ministry would not be possible without these partners. Looking for child care? Visit College Camp located in the heart of Pineville. It is a licensed aid facility that has been in existence since 2008. For more information, call 318-484-2762. Thank you for joining us today. We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible. Bayou Shirts. 
At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. You can reach us at 318-308-3754. At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org. 